Hi everyone, welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I am Colin McFader, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Clark Coffey. I'm lovely! Yes, oh my I gosh. know. See, you always, do, you always do multiple for me, and I feel like I'm you know, undercutting you by only giving you one. You're not. You know what? Scripture, it, but. No, you know what? I feel fantastic. Like, lovely, I, you know, that's all we need. You know, if you use lovely, then one is totally sufficient. So, sure. I, <laughs> perfect. I appreciate perfect. Okay. It. I appreciate it. Thank I'm you. I'm absolved. I'm absolved. You're absolved. Um, but today, we are going to be talking about a uh, more recent movie than a lot of our picks uh, uh-huh. the 2020 film by David Pryor, The Empty Man. Hey, wait, we gotta try it. Try what? Calling the empty man. Who's the empty man? If you're on a bridge and you find a bottle, you blow into it and you think about the empty man. Oh, come on, Mandy, how old are you? Tell him the rest. On the first night, you hear him. And on the second night, you see him. And on the third night? Well, on the third night, he finds you. Squirming his way into your thoughts. Like a disease. (laughs) And his message is contagious. Now, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. We have to let people know this is your pick. I think yes, this is important. Yes, yes, this is my pick as well. Yeah. Be- because this is going to get this is going to get crazy. I feel mm-hmm. like th- this is going to be interesting because I feel like of all the films that we've discussed, well, you know, who knows? Who knows? I don't want to I don't want to say it. I, 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 I don't want to preempt what may or may not be. But mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like I have some strong opinions about this movie. I'm not going to say it's not like I've never had any strong opinions about a movie that we've done, but I, I, I will just, we'll just have to see. I think mm-hmm. this could be interesting. I think it could be interesting. Well, it's also, I find it neat. What's neat about this movie is that I, I, I think that the movie itself mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is good. It's, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but it's, it's, you mm. know, I think it's a, it's a decent movie, but I find mm. that the, the context of its release um, it sort of says a lot about the film industry and okay. about it's kind of got an unusual sort of life to it. Yeah. Um, now, is that why you picked it? Now, because because I'm curious. It's one of the is, reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's yeah. jump into that. Let's jump yeah. into, you know, it was your pick. So mm-hmm. onus is on you just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of why you picked it. You know, what, you know, why did this jump out at you as something that you wanted to spend an hour, give or take? Uh, discussing this uh, on the podcast because I, I, I was kind of surprised. You know, it, it. I didn't realize. Well, we're gonna get into. Well, I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. So, yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, yes. we'll talk a little so bit. I can intertwine yeah. like my personal experience yeah, yeah. with the film yeah. as well because, yeah. um, you know, I okay. think that that's perhaps a good way to do it. So that's what we do. Um, yeah. I first. I actually did not hear about this movie when it came out. I didn't hear anything about it. I mm-hmm. um, didn't see any trailers for it. I was completely neither aware did of its anyone existence. else. Exactly, no, neither did anyone else. Um, and so had no idea that it was released. Um, and then a friend of mine, just kind of happenstance, was complaining about the fact that he was watching a movie on, I can't remember what streaming service, it might have been Amazon or something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, this movie that I'm watching on Amazon is shot in scope, but they formatted it to 16 by 9, but not cropping it. 
it actually was squished like it was it was like de squee or squeezed into a 16 by 9 aspect ratio so everyone was very long and skinny okay um, wait what and he was just he was just so it was like the picture okay. rather than being 235 to 1 was squished into 16 by 9 yeah um so a you know taller aspect ratio okay and he was just complaining about that like it was literally just a a offhand comment and i sort of said oh what what's the movie and he mentioned oh, it's the empty man this movie that kind of came out i think it was probably he had seen it in 2021 so it had come out the year prior mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. no pun intended during david Pryor. um i'm gonna be making that joke a lot <laughs> <laughs> but uh so yeah he told me that it was this this movie and that he and then he finished it um or actually i think he didn't finish it that night i think he refused to watch it in that um in that you know kind of butchered state and then okay. found a different version of it that was actually in its proper aspect ratio um and then I didn't see it, I think, until the summer afterwards when I was traveling and I had a lot of plane rides because I was going around the world to right. get through. Okay. And I can't remember what flight it was on. It might have been... Um, so like, as as Nolan intended... As Nolan intended, yeah. I actually, on, and I like didn't even watch it on like an iPad or a uh, <laughs> phone. I watched it on oh, the God. TV, like on the back of the seat so, so let me just i just want to understand so you watch this on like 720 like a seven inch cropped into 16 by 9 as well this time it wasn't squished crusty, at least. it was it was just zoomed crusty in, but... like baby drool like yeah, yeah. encrusted screen on the back of a seat okay all right exactly okay. so that was okay. my first experience with this okay um and i liked it i i i the friend of mine who actually how many free drinks did you it? have on the plane? Oh, that... plenty. See, the trick about air That's travel why is you, you always it. get the flight attendants' uh, gifts. Always get the cabin crew gifts because then they just keep loading you up on everything. Wow. Sometimes they'll even upgrade you to first class. So, what? Always bring them some chocolate. That's my wow. Um, okay. <laughs> but it unfortunately okay. didn't make watching a movie on a small screen any better. Um, but so my friend that actually introduced me to the movie, though, the one that had the original mm -hmm. issue with uh, mm -hmm. the uh, streaming version um he's a huge fan of it he really really liked it okay and um i didn't think a ton about it i i, I enjoyed it i thought it was fine but again you're also not getting a great experience in that sort of viewing right. setting anyway mm -hmm. um and so i hadn't seen it since and then just recently um my uh he same friend uh told me about the fact that there was a screening here in toronto um, at the Tiff Bell Lightbox with the director, David Pryor, in attendance. And he did a uh, Q&A afterwards, and there was okay. like a little meet-and-greet cocktail party thing. Okay. Um, so I thought, okay, yeah, I'll go. Why so not? I actually got to see it in its proper, you know, aspect ratio in a really good, you know, really good projection, um, great sound, and it made me appreciate the movie a lot more. You okay. Know, how could it not if you're, you could see a soap hey. opera on a big screen and probably think that it would look great. Um, so... And it was interesting, too, because so few people would have gotten to see this in theaters um, because of that context that I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, where the movie was actually shot in the end of 2016 and early 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and that is right around the time that 20th Century Fox and Disney were kind of brokering their deal where Disney was mm -hmm. purchasing Fox. So mm -hmm. um, I guess with all of these movies that didn't really have a distribution path, Fox just kind of put them on hold. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was put on hold until 2020 then covid happens um and it was supposed to come out i think early 2020 and then of course covid and so then it mm. wound up releasing theatrically in october of 2020 
um, Fox because it was just like they were just about to be sold to Disney. Um, I think the deal was actually done at this point. Um, put no, literally no money into the marketing budget. Um, mm-hmm. There was like no uh, online marketing. There was no theatrical Nothing. marketing or anything. So, right. so it kind of got completely, you know, flopped at the the box office for lack of a better term. Um, so no, it's the right it. term. That's the right oh, term. Yeah, it yeah. flopped. Yep. 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 Um, so it was a huge flop at the box office. Um, not only that, it's actually, interestingly, it's the final film to feature the 20th Century Fox logo that was released theatrically, which is a fun little... Boy, they, they really went out on... Uh, yes. Mm, yeah, interesting, top, interesting but... note. Um, but yeah, the, so, um, so the film, yeah, so the film comes out, doesn't get any fanfare at the uh, box office, but critically, right. it does pretty well. Like, I think, I don't know what it's got on Rotten Tomatoes or anything, but I think it's uh, mid-80s or something. Um, so critically, yeah, does does fine. Okay. Um, and what I find actually really interesting about the movie, and um, the director kind of talked about this as well, was that it's a pretty... When you hear about the term, like, cult film in a contemporary context, mm-hmm. it usually is something that's sort of manufactured by a studio. So, like, it's like A24 kind of trying to release, like, an indie, but it's got a huge marketing budget and probably had a pretty big production budget too, but they kind of market themselves as, like, a, a small hmm. studio... Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's kind of this, and it's not only A24 that does this, but just an example, um, there's kind of this thing, like this push of like, oh yeah, this is going to be a cult classic. Like I think of like hmm. Hereditary or Midsummer or like the Ari Aster films mm-hmm. where right. they're almost marketed from the beginning as right. being this kind of like, oh, like you're, you, you, you'll hear about this through word of mouth, even though they have huge marketing yeah. budgets. I mean, Whereas look, this, this is, has been since the dawn of time. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, exactly, this yeah. is not these these studios or, you know, specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this has been a marketing strategy since forever. Oh, certainly. Right. Yeah, yeah. But what I find interesting is that this day and age, it's been a long time that I can think about or remember since there actually has been a kind of true cult film that has come out where like something that again flopped in theaters and then came back Hmm. in you know a few years afterwards just through word of mouth and this is an example of one that actually has like it's probably the most recent example that i can personally think of Hmm. of a movie that has garnered a a pretty big following i mean the theater was sold out and there's a lot of talk online about this movie really Um, as someone who again hasn't looked into a ton about the movie like over the years when i was going to see the movie recently last saturday Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started looking it up online and there's like huge, huge amounts of, uh, like big communities that really like the movie. Um, a lot of discussion I mean, on it online, on Twitter. To be fair, like to, to be fair, there's a lot of discussion. I can, I, I can find any movie you could, you could, you could oh, sure. give, yeah. give me any movie and I could type it into Google. And it's just, be... it's just sort of rare. I think <clears throat> to find a, okay. a situation like where again, completely flopped at the box office. And yet there okay. seems to be, especially, I don't know if you know the, the app, um, letterboxed yes um, i do but yep, that's yep. Uh, a pretty like it's a pretty popular movie on there sure. as well yep um so it's kind of gained this um appreciation and okay. again this kind of cult following um from a very very underfunded theatrical well so that's one of the reasons that I thought let's it was dissect it okay let's yeah. dissect it let's go into that okay i i appreciate that background because i was curious um I was curious what uh, what kind of like sparked your you know y- y- like your interest in this and why you might have picked it to discuss it because it now I will say 
Um, I think it at first I was like, oh, I'm really surprised that Cullen picked this because like more often than not, I feel like you've picked films um, from kind of the new Hollywood era. I mean, you, you, you're all over the place, which is mm-hmm. awesome. You, you've picked a lot of different films. Um, but I do almost feel like uh, this is maybe most closely related to your selection uh, and you're going to have to give me a hand on the name, the horror movie. Oh, Barbarian. Uh, this this reminded yeah, me most yeah. of Barbarian, which was also your pick. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of curious. I was like, okay, like Cullen is picking some kind of like modern, like thriller slash kind of horror movies. This is interesting. I'm curious to kind of pick your brain on that. But before we go into that, yeah, I'll just briefly kind of state my personal experience with the film. It's not nearly mm-hmm. as elaborate as yours. Um <clears throat> When you first mentioned that this was your selection, uh, it didn't ring a bell to me at all. I was like, okay, uh, sure, Empty Man. Okay, great. And I looked at it, and it almost made me think of, like, Slender Man or something. I'm like, oh, geez, what did Cullen pick? Mm -hmm. Is this, like, some... like, is this like some tween, you know, I don't even like five nights at Freddy's or whatever. I'm like, what is this? OK, it's funny because I thought the same thing when my friend told me it came out. There's a movie from 2017 called The Bye Bye Man, which is just I've oh, also my seen gosh. that, But that's like a horrible, okay. like, you know, so, disaster of a movie. So that might that might that might speak to one thing. The name of this film might not be the best name of a film to have ever mm-hmm. been yeah okay so so i'm like okay all right what is this and it didn't ring a bell at all and i will have to admit that i i um started watching this uh because of um pre like some travel uh like time constraints i actually did have to watch this on a plane i watched this on my ipad now i I never ever do that that is the first time i've ever done that for a film that we have discussed i always um take as much time or you know uh, give it as much attention as i possibly can to the films that we Mm -hmm. watch i watch them at home i watch them in solitude i am extremely focused um, but I did have to watch this one on the plane and, uh, about 30 seconds in, I was like, I've seen this before. <laughs> so, so I, I, I didn't, I didn't recollect from the name, but I have seen this before. Um, I don't know exactly when I don't, you know, like you said, this was released in 2020. So I don't know how, how, you know, was it 2021, 2022? I can't remember. I have no idea. I'll be honest, it didn't make a great impression on me when I watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like, okay, all right, well, watch this again. Um, and, I, and I went through the film again. And um, I can't say that this film really spoke to me mm-hmm. in any you know, significant way. Um, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot about this film that I liked. But we can kind of go into more detail about that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and 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 I almost you know and, and and it's interesting because you know obviously when we do this podcast it kind of forces me to to articulate right it's like well I didn't you know like it okay well whoop de doo what does that mean right mm-hmm. so yeah. I yeah. you know so so I'm kind of still you know as we work through this conversation on this film you know I'll kind of try to find my way through articulating some of the reasons why this film didn't speak to me very much. But I have to say, I was, you know, I wasn't terribly impressed 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but I want to like well, let's work through it. You know, let's work through this film. I'll be interested to kind of discuss it with you, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so my second viewing uh, was on an airplane. Uh, unfortunately, it was the best I could do. Um, but uh, yeah, um, not a whole lot doing for me. Yeah, well, I it's actually it's funny you mentioned like, again that that name thing is is funny to me because like it does sound very much. Like now, it's based off of a graphic novel of the same name, um, mm. so I don't think that mm. it, was, it was a, a choice of the film. I guess they could have changed it, but um, maybe there was some sort of rights thing about having to keep the the name involved. Um, but I do also want to discuss too. Um, I want to talk a little bit about David Pryor, okay, as a, a person because I think that he's also it's it's he's got a kind of an interesting career. Uh huh. Um, so a lot of people likely have seen his work um, without realizing it um, because okay. um, he actually kind of, so he back in 1997, I suppose it was, for Alien Resurrection sort of in a way in, invented the, now of course there's like give or take on, on uh, you know, the specifics of it, but um, he sort of was the, one of the first people to ever be hired on a movie specifically okay. to design the special features while the film was actually being made. So he shot like documentary and behind the scenes stuff to make the featurettes that would then go on the DVD and designed that whole kind of So I'm ecosystem. curious about this. Okay, I'm curious about this because obviously like, you know, uh, people have been doing BTS forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. e- even like there's been like entire movies made, right? Whether it's like Apocalypse Now, yeah, Hearts of like, Darkness, yeah. Hearts of Darkness, or whether it's like, um, uh, Ver- you know, Herzog and uh, what My Best Fiend, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically BTS, right? In yeah. a sense. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I don't, I, 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 I'm curious about like the semantic particulars of this designation of like he was the first. To, well, it's because more, I, I feel like people have been... like a physical media thing, right? Like, oh, it's more that might of like be a, okay. like if you enjoy the, like the, when you get a Blu ray or a DVD. Sure, sure. I love that. Yeah, I love it. Features. I love it. There's the list of all the things, like right, rather right. than it just being simply a documentary about the making of a movie, which again, as you said, there's been, those have been for ages. Yeah. He was kind of the first person to like be hired specifically to design a kind as of as like an all inclusive producer, perhaps. Is that what you're saying? He's like, one yeah, of the and first... it was specifically for a DVD release too. So okay. whether that's the long term, like most DVDs have a long form, um, or Blu-rays have a long form, uh, you know, making of documentary. But even those like ten minute little featurettes that are just kind of about very specific things um, and mostly for fincher right it's my understanding yeah, he's so he been doing this for fincher right um, so he did uh, so for of course fincher did alien 3 but he i think started his first one was on alien resurrection which was not fincher but mm-hmm. the alien movie after fincher's um and then he did yeah he did uh zodiac which is a movie that i've actually been considering doing mm. on this podcast for mm-hmm. a very long time maybe i'll do it soon um, he did uh, Social Network. He did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He did a whole bunch of stuff for Fincher. Okay. Um, so it's kind of interesting to me that uh, as someone who is so known, again, known but not really known because you don't usually really remember the name of the people that make sure. those featurettes. Sure. Um, but again, I'm sure that a lot more people have probably seen those things than, than realize it. Right. Um, and, um, and then he made in uh i believe it was 2015 he made a short film 
called AM1200. Sorry, it's actually way earlier than I thought, 2000, 2008. Okay. A, a movie called AM1200. Okay. And it's kind of like a cosmic horror um, short. It's it's a long-form short. I think it's about 40 minutes. Okay. Um, but I've seen that, and it's actually quite good. It's available online for free. If, if, Interesting. You know, okay. Curious to watch it. We'll, I, we'll I put actually, a link. We'll put yeah. a link into it, yeah. Yep, I'll put it, yeah, in the description. Sure. Um, and I actually really do like that one. And I think mm. that that kind of goes along with one of my complaints and perhaps your share i shouldn't say complaint but one of my issues with the movie um that perhaps you'll you'll share my opinion on is that there's a lot of very strong ideas i think or mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or concepts mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that i think the film Real it doesn't in, buddy. do justice to oh. so for example okay the um, wait can i can i chime in before you go yeah, into yeah, details go ahead. Yep. okay yep. Uh, uh, and again, this is, you know, uh, you and I, um, I think we, uh, we probably, you know, have similar kind of thinking styles. Uh, I think we've talked about that, in our, especially in our last episode where we talked about writing and kind of being intuitive, kind of feeling people, mm-hmm. um, and, which is why, you know, for better or worse, where it might frustrate some listeners, uh, but it also may be to the joy of other listeners if they are kind of similar personalities that that uh, it takes some time to kind of find uh, Mm -hmm. a a, a succinct articulation to our thoughts about a film, or at least I'll speak for myself. It sometimes takes me a a bit, but, but uh, yeah, what, what you, what you're making me think of is that what I can, like my kind of like little intuitive kind of knee jerk, you know, uh, reaction, this kind of spark that started to like grow inside my mind as I watched this was that I felt like this was a director who had some themes that they mm-hmm. were like very much wanted to explore in a story, but I almost felt like the themes got in the way of the of the film. Mm-hmm. I, I almost, know what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost thought like, okay, I you know, it, it, especially as we get like more and you know deeper and deeper into the film, and more and more of these themes kind of you know uh, come to explicit. Uh, I mean, they're, they're basically just, you know, there's a lot of exposition that starts to happen and there's a lot of characters mm-hmm. like saying very specific, you know, exposition-y thematic stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, wow, you know, uh, sounds like this director had a lot of things on their mind that they wanted to talk about or writer or both. Um, it sounds like, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was also written by David Pryor. So the writer and the director are the one and the same. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get a sense that like, Ooh, you know, I've got all these like interesting thematic kind of things that I want to explore. I don't know if it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me too, because cosmic horror is one of those things that I think is really, really difficult to do well. Okay. Is that what you um, would call this film? Would you call this like a cosmic horror? Yeah. It's kind of like Lovecraftian, okay. I would, I would say. Okay. Interesting. Um, and, and like, I, so I think like a great example of it is something like in terms of a long form sort of story i think uh-huh. it can be even more difficult to do because a short film you can be weird you can be vague and it's it's fine i think that's actually one of the reasons that the opening 20 minutes of this movie works really well i think that if anything that's my favorite part of the movie because it's basically a self-contained short film that the now wait now let, let's talk let's break this down so when you yeah, say yeah. the first 20 minutes you're talking about what effectively becomes the teaser because it's like the pre-credit sequence yeah that takes so it's place the, yes takes place in, in an earlier and, yeah. okay uh um, and you th- it, do you think that's the strongest part of the film is that 
I think, yeah, I think it's the most engaging because it's very contained and it feels like, again, it feels sort of like a short film. Like I could see that, that coming out and releasing online okay. as a short. And um, it's ironic because like, the studio actually wanted to cut that out. Um, I don't mean to be like, I, oh God, I really hesitate. So my, my gut instinct is to say something that, you know, I can't. <laughs> no, go I, ahead. I, say no, it. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm gonna, uh, um, I'm gonna find a different way to say this because this is a, this is a recent film <laughs> and I don't know this director. And I always have a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, people who, write their own screenplays. They they get their films made. I know how hard it is to find budgets. I know how hard it is to make a film. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be catty or, you know, sensationalistic with um with my response. I really don't. It's it's right, just right. not right. And that it's not what we do here. I was challenged by, you know, I was challenged by the entire film and I don't feel like in a good way for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, including with this this teaser that this this you know and and for those of you who haven't seen it or maybe you haven't seen it in a while, we kind of open up on this like, are they American kind of young adults or you know something? Yeah, like right? hike backpackers hikers. Yeah, and 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 it's like very clear they're like kind of backpacking and they're in, like uh, it's Bhutan. It's, yeah, yeah, and so we've got the little Tibetan you know like. Uh, like stream jeez oh, i'm so the flags bad. yeah the, those the yeah. flags and yeah. and but but i feel like you know right away right away the sense that i get is like we've got these like these very like me not meandering um these very like heavy important um like uh, slow you know push-ins on random ob- objects that i don't know their importance right mm-hmm. and it's like and insert shots that seem important, but I'm like, I don't know why. What is this saying? Like, why? You know, like the push in on the bell that they're spinning, mm-hmm. right? There's like this huge shot. These like, there's like how many, four or five kids, they're like early 20s or something and they're hiking and it's snowing and they're up in the mountains and they're spinning these like good luck. But I, again, I'm so sorry that I don't know what those are exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're these like, bells right or you know and they spin yeah they're like they they walk on a path yeah for yeah i'm so sorry that i don't know exactly what those are um and but this is just an example my point is not what those are or not but um you know and it's like this like long slow shot it's methodical it's like ponderous and it's like we're pushing in we're pushing in and each character walks by and they spin one of the bells and we're pushing in and we're pushing in and there's three bells and we finally like kind of push in far enough that we're on only one of them and then it like turns and then it lands on something and i have no idea what it lands on it's some Mm -hmm. symbol that i can't understand and the the film is clearly telling me like this is super important pay attention i can't not pay attention because i've been pushing in on this thing for like five minutes and then it's like why what is mm-hmm. it i don't know it's like it, it doesn't i felt like there was a lot of this in this film mm-hmm. now help me understand do you think that those opening three shots are are uh uh are alluding to raiders of the lost ark by the way because it's no the exact same framing as... no i don't i don't think that they're alluding to squat no i don't mean I... the bells i don't mean the bells i mean that there's the opening shot of the mountain 
Nope. Flanked by trees, and it nope. is the exact same framing as Indiana Jones nope. coming in, and then it. Goes I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that at no, all. No, because it's the exact get... same. The framing is yep. identical. Like it's. Yeah, it's, but it's, and and yeah. here's what that shows you. That shows you that movies are about a hell of a lot more than framing. Because... Oh, of course. I just mean that the because the, the next shot. So it's the first shot is the mountains with the trees flanking character the fir- walks in the exact the opening... same, and then it's and then it is a dolly sideways with trees uh-huh. in the foreground as they walk through a kind of slope in a forest. It's the, nope. I think it's intentional. I didn't, I didn't yeah, mean to I, ask No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not intentional. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yes, the, yes, The first yes. 20 minutes yeah. of Raiders of the Lost Ark is an infinitely better <laughs> Oh, no, I know. Yeah, I don't mean that. It's, I just know more as an aside. Uh, and, and, and it may be, but that. this is what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying. Okay, let's say that's the case. Let's say that what you just said is the case. Then that even, I feel like, proves my point even more. This is somebody who's like operating from the shoulders up, and I don't feel anything anywhere mm-hmm. because that it's like, I mean, if that's what they're doing, if that's what Pryor's doing, I don't know if it is. I trust you. You say yes, you've watched it, and you see that this is like a shot for shot kind of thing. Okay. All good and well, but for what? To what end? Why? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why? It's like an academic exercise. To what end? And and, and it's like I feel like so many shots in this film are that. To mm-hmm. what end? I kept asking myself, to what end? To what end? Why? Why the methodical inserts? Why this methodical? Like, I don't know what you're trying to tell me is what I kept thinking in my head. And and if that's what I keep asking myself as an audience director, what are you trying to show me? Well, mm-hmm. we have a problem. We well, have a I problem. Well, I think that's also, again, I think that goes back to cosmic horror in general, where it's, again, it's like there's been, there are very, very few cosmic horror pieces of media, not even just films, that I actually think are done well because it is such a challenging because it's basically the whole point of like the whole thing with cosmic horror is that something is so beyond explanation and so beyond fear that it's terrifying. No, and that can I, be a I, very difficult thing to pull off. And I like again, I think that's why something but then, like um, okay, okay, I, but but I, I don't know. I'm gonna push you on that a little bit, or or, or let's talk about it. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know that any one genre is any like more challenging or difficult than the other in the parameter that you in in the way that you just kind of tried to explain it away. I mean, because because it's like well, every film kind of has its own world and its own logic, mm-hmm. right? And and all I'm I'm not saying that this film has to have some kind of um, play by the rules of the real world. I'm not saying that it has to be literal. I'm not saying that it has to have some kind of A to B to C to D. No, I'm not. Not only am I not saying that, I generally don't like films that are like that. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this film ha- feels like to me, and and I almost wish that you wouldn't have told me that he had been kind of side by side working in the shadows of Fincher for so long because what I kind of feel like is that he kind of wants to be Fincher and it's like I've got these like really serious methodical shots mm-hmm. and well, they just I mean, again, don't that's, say that's anything. Sort of what I mean though is that it's 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 not necessarily that like like I think that genre, like cosmic horror as a genre, I think I don't even know if genre is the right word for it because it's more specific than that. Like there are very, very specific rules and tropes that you have to kind of go because it really Educate it was me. a genre invented Educate by me. one guy, um, right? So, so you you when you look at it, it's a difficult. I think what makes it so difficult is it can be like 
again, I, I agree with the whole idea about, yeah, like that it, it, when you push in on the bell, it's not, it's, I don't understand it. I don't know what it's. Why do I have to see like means. a whiskey glass? But I mean, like that also times. at the same time is, is that's kind of the point of cosmic horror is that Mm-mm. you are, that it, it, that's why Mm-mm. it's so hard to do is that it. No. Can, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's presenting things that you can't comprehend is, is what makes ah! it, is what's supposed to make it scary. And that's, that's the kind of the oeuvre of cosmic horror, right? I don't uh, buy that. I just don't well, buy I know. it. I, and I just mean, I mean that that's like, there's so much cosmic horror stuff that I've seen that does the same thing where, but wait, wait, whether wait, wait, for, wait, wait. whether for, for again, all horrors like this, right? Like, dude, dude, we don't even have, well, but to, I mean, it, again, but cosmic horror is just very specific. Look, <laughs> like, no, the whole I, point I know, I know, I, I understand. I understand, but I'm just going to, this is a healthy fun, right? I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, we're just like, look, like Chucky. Okay, Chucky's not cosmic horror, but Chucky is a freaking doll that comes to life. Now, no, hold on. I, yeah. I see your mouth. I see your life. Okay, but it doesn't make any sense. It makes no freaking sense. Chucky makes no freaking sense. There's no horror movie that makes sense. Halloween makes no sense. Like, Ch- Friday the 13th makes no like. I think none that, of I these films the, make the, sense. The difference but... is that you're talking about making sense in the context of the real world, whereas no, even I'm not. in cosmic horror, it's not supposed to make no. sense in the. It's not supposed to be comprehensible. Like that's where I get that's the, where co- you're like, not Chucky understanding. Is Chucky, but uh, Chucky is a a doll that comes to life because that's what the <laughs> movie's about, right? Cosmic horror is different in that the, that it's it's supposed to be no, cosmic, here, cosmic for lack of here's what I'm talking about. Let me, I, I, it's sure, my fault. Yeah. It, it's my yeah. fault. It's my fault. I, I, I am admittedly not doing a great job explaining myself here. I'll try again. I'll try again. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the fun of this podcast. <laughs> um, what I mean to say is this I, I, again, I want to reiterate. I do. I don't ever, uh, ex- have expectations on a film that it has to play by any rules of reality. I really don't. As a matter of fact, my favorite films, the films that mean the most to me in my life, are almost always films that revel in a dreamlike logic in their storytelling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just want to say that I really do not have any expectation for a film to be quote unquote realistic or, or, or you know, or, or have to explain every little thing and like, oh, I see why that happened because XYZ. Matter of fact, I think. It's the pitfall that most films, and especially most horror and supernatural films, fall into where they do try to explain those things in kind of like a rational, real-world way, right? I actually think those films shouldn't try to do that. What I'm saying is this. This film takes the grammar of cinema and poops mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> I'm well, saying... Well, so I think, again, I think the difference is... So, again, I'm going to go back to Chucky real quick, just as an example. <laughs> Okay, okay. So you okay, say like okay. dreamlike logic, right? Like that that it Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. agree that yeah, I don't I don't expect a, a film to have like a real world grounded logic that makes but the thing the difference again is that in the context of the film Chucky, the logic, the dreamlike logic as it is, makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Chucky is a it's a cursed doll. Possessed, that the, possessed that, yeah. And and it he is cursed, and so you see A to B to C. The logic makes sense that right. there's a, a killer, he uh, possesses a doll because he's cursed, it's and then there you go. You get a possessed doll. Mm-hmm. The the cosmic horror genre works beyond even a dreamlike logic, where the logic is supposed to be incomprehensible. There is okay. not supposed to be a comprehensible logic, right? So okay, that's and that's why I think it can be a very I get frustrating that. genre, and it can be 
it, it's and, something, as I said earlier, no, that, I, that I think works really well in short films because in short films you okay. can kind of cheat that a lot easier. You can kind of be like, I'm just going to present a bunch of ideas and... There well, then go. I There's feel like this film, to, to me, I don't feel like this film did a very good job then of, uh, of kind of, um, Oh, I agree. I agree. Of, I, mean, like, of, I, I think of, that this... of giving the viewer that mm. kind of feeling, I, I, I guess I, I just felt frustrated, but not because I, again, not because I didn't understand, like, Oh, I don't understand what is literally happening. Mm-hmm. I rarely care. That's what I keep trying yeah. to I actually well, I, really I care in, in a sense that like the I find a lot of the because of so an example of I think good cosmic horror is um, the the film True Detective with that first season yeah okay yeah yep, yep. Um, because what it does is it it puts that into kind of like the cinematic language a lot very very effectively um, okay. and the reason for that is because it basically tells a story with a consistent logic yeah. that then uses the elements of cosmic horror as thematic elements that yes. play on our characters going insane, hunting down this sadistic child killer. And, hmm. and it plays on that and it adds to it rather than depending on it. Whereas what I find hmm. that this, that where I find this film falters for me um, is that you have the movie depending on this uh, hmm. cosmic logic. I'm right? still trying so, to wrap so, my head around that. I'm still so, trying to wrap well, my head around that. What I mean that. by that is like you you have characters perhaps doing things that, that necessarily don't really make sense. And I don't, again, I don't mean like that they're and insane I don't care and about they're that. doing that. Yeah. I just more mean, I mean like in the actual logic of like, like, you're sort of Here's what I mean. Like, let me, a let me give you an example. Let me that? give you a specific yeah. example. Let me give you some specifics. Let me give you some specifics. Sure. These, yeah. are, these, are, these are super specific things that take me away. I don't care what genre. I don't care what genre. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's some examples. We have repeatedly, I, I didn't count, but I think at least half a dozen to a dozen times, we have characters talking under their breath after a scene is done, explaining to me, the audience, kind of what's happened or what the state of the mind of the character is, which tells me either the director or the writer, which in this case is the same person, didn't trust that they were able to communicate to the audience their intention or they didn't trust that the audience would be able to understand it. So Mm -hmm. we have all these like instances where there's like the scene is done and then we have a character talking, usually the lead, saying like one last little thing under their breath that kind of makes extra sure that we as an audience kind of understands mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what they're thinking okay i don't like that i that that's yeah. that that tells me you don't trust yourself or you don't trust your audience the other thing that the specific that stands out to me is again there's, I don't see motivation for so much of what's going on. Again, not with the story. I'm talking about cinematic tools. I'm talking about the grammar of cinema. I'm talking about just how you're literally shooting, like editing, how you shot it, how you're like juxtaposition, the juxtaposition of images, like the mm-hmm. absolute mm-hmm. bare the very bones. basic. Like, like what, like, again, I mean, I, I use that example of that shot, you know, that just was like a minute and a half of this, like slow push in on this bell 
or you know like why do we cut away to this like you know whiskey glass being filled like for the fifth time you know and there's and it doesn't it's not any part of anything it's just like i almost felt like the editor was like well we have to like put this like I believe you know, David Pryor also edited it too. <laughs> like we we have to just you know it's like I have like this like medium one shot and this medium one shot and they're talking and I gotta like find a way to get this together and I only have so much coverage so I, I let me just take a quick like you know uh, you know uh, get some like extra cover you know get to or you know have like a <laughs> have like some post days and like shoot some inserts so I can like edit this together you know it's like. Mm-hmm. There's so many shots where it's just like, this is not doing any, this adds nothing. I guess that's the best way that I can say it, is that time after time after time, it's like this is adding nothing. I learn nothing about nothing, and I don't mean that literally. Again, Mm -hmm. I want to really reiterate, it's not that I'm focused on the plot, and I think that every single thing has to like take me down the plot road. That's not what I mean. But every shot does have to do something. It has mm-hmm. to tell me about the character. It has to tell me it it has to bring me into a tone. It has to like have some poetry. It has to like like it has to sing. It's funny actually. I was watching this film in the airplane, like I said, and the guy next to me, right across the aisle, was watching Pulp Fiction. He started Pulp Fiction like right as I started this film. <laughs> And, 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 and it, and I couldn't help myself. I kept kind of like looking over at his screen a little bit as I was watching this film. And there's like insert shots in Pulp Fiction. There's like the needle, like I was, I'm watching it and it's like Mia Wallace. It's like, here's an example. There's like in, in the film that we just talking about here, the empty man, there's like this long tracking shot of this woman's feet. Like she's walking up some stairs or she's walking in, you know, she's like in her house. There's no reason for it. There's no reason. There's no reason why we should be watching her feet through like these banister rails. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. It does nothing. Well, there's yeah, it's no very, story. It's definitely very like it's it's, it's no. There's nothing. Making an there's, attempt at being atmospheric and. But it does nothing. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it, it doesn't. No, quite, all the yeah. time, all the time, it doesn't. There's, it tells um, me nothing about the character. It t- but but then I look over and there's a close up on Mia Wallace's bare feet walking, and the difference is is that her walk is full of her character. It tells me so much about that character and the place that she's in and what mood she's in and what's happening. And I'm like, that, and it was just so, it was just totally coincidental. It's like totally serendipitous that those, you know, that this is kind of happening. But I'm like, that's what I'm taught. Like it, it kind of solidified for me. Like this is what I'm finding lacking in, for me, for me in this film is that there's so much shooting Mm -hmm. and not a whole lot of storytelling well i actually one thing i do think that the film does effectively in a in a a basic sense is it does set up um some good like scares moment like i think that the part when he's out in the forest and he sees those people and they kind of have that little walk where he takes a step back which has been established a few times where it's like you step back and it steps forward and then you run away, um, which is one of the reasons, as it is, it is technically you know a horror movie. One of the reasons that we are recording late at night tonight. If you don't oh, know, yeah. normally we record. Um, this is know, like a first, dude. Morning this or is a early first. Afternoon and, and yeah, uh, but we're we're up here at the spooky hour, um, <laughs> which might be actually a good time to bring up our sponsor today, which is yes. Magic Mind. Yes, um, which is a it's kind of like an energy 
shot in in a way and um you've tried it uh yeah i've been trying to know like kind of what you've been actually trying it for for quite a bit now Uh Um, so how is it kind of been for you i mean well i talk a little bit about that i yeah no i would totally so you know i think we talked last time about this and so i've had an opportunity to have you know to to enjoy some more of this over the past few days and i think we talked last time about you know kind of hitting this like sweet spot of caffeine right Mm -hmm. and and, you know, for me now, so it's interesting that this is in the evening because normally I would never, ever, ever have caffeine this late at night, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've, been, I've been on a plane, dude, all day. It's been like a very, very challenging week personally. Uh, my wife and I, we just flew in um, from Oregon. Uh, we landed this evening and uh, we needed to get this done. And like many people, it's like, hey, you know, it, it, just because the sun sets, <laughs> your day doesn't necessarily stop. But mm-hmm. I would never have like, you know, a strong cup of coffee or, or even, you know, more like an energy drink, like a monster or, you know, Red Bull or whatever, Rockstar or something this late, because I, I would like never be able to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. But but that's one of the things that I, I really continue to enjoy about Magic Mind. And you're right, they are shots. So that's the other thing that I like about them. They're about like two ounces. They come in like little individual shots that are about two ounces. And so you're not stuck drinking this like 16 ounce, you know, kind of chemically tasting mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing, yeah. you know. Um, but it, there, but it's, it's like the perfect amount of caffeine. It's right at about 50, 55 milligrams of caffeine, which for me... I feel like is right at the sweet spot for caffeine. It's not so much that it's going to make me, um, you know, twitchy, uh, anxious, um, you know, but it's also not so little that mm. I don't notice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it'll wake you up, but it's not like you're. But you it's know, not crazy. To go to bed or something, right? Now yeah. look, now hey, look. There's a lot of other stuff in this too. So if you if you are, I think Colin, you talked about how you're not as you're not as sensitive to caffeine as me. Mm-hmm. So for you, you you enjoy more caffeine. Well, hey, no problem. Uh, you can have this shot along with your regular cup of coffee if you want, mm-hmm. and you can take advantage of a lot of the other things that are in this. Because the caffeine in this actually comes from matcha tea. And one of the cool things about matcha is that it actually is kind of like a a natural extended release or time release version of caffeine, which is Mm -hmm. one of the other things that I really like about it. So not only is it way too, it's it's not too much caffeine, but it's also not all at once. So it's got this nice kind of, hey, I can feel that, got a little boost of energy but it's not going to hit me all at once and then leave me hanging, crashed later on. So that's the other thing that's pretty nice about it. But there's like there, there's also a bunch of other stuff that I'm kind of like, I, I did not have as much experience with before this. So it's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting outlook. A lot of other people out there, you're way more hip. You know, you probably like are already onto this kind of stuff like ashwagandha or like lion's mane mushrooms, things like this, you're probably like totally, you know, hip to that for me, you know, being the old fogey I am, right? Now, Colin, maybe you are also aware being like the young hip <laughs> dude too. you are. <laughs> me, being the young hip dude that you are, you are probably into this. But it's but there are uh, there are a, a handful of really wonderful things in this. So it's not just the matcha tea. It's not just the caffeine. Um, but yeah, I, I've really been enjoying it. I actually had some right before... Uh, I had a little shot right before we started recording here. Like I said, I've been on a plane, I mean, literally all day. 
And I was thinking to myself, there's just no way that I can like kind of generate the energy to do this, you know, mm-hmm. to do it justice. Um, but uh, a little shot of magic mind and my wonderful co-host. I mean, I can't like you bring the you, you bring it out of me, too. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> but I'm paying um, Clark to say that <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not. I would say that any time, any day of the week. Um but yeah, uh, but but I've been really enjoying it, and so it's something that you know we've personally uh, tried, and we want to recommend it to you. And if you would like to try your own Magic Mind shots, there's a couple ways that you can do so. Mm-hmm. So starting in January, so we're not that far out, which blows my mind. It's already wow, it's like yeah, crazy that we're we're already at the end of the year, and we're just about to go into 2024. This blows my mind. So if you want to get into 2024 with an extra boost of energy uh you can do so you can try magic mind at your local sprouts starting in january mm-hmm. and or and or you can you can also check out magic mind at magicmind.com slash soldiers of cinema so again that's magicmind.com slash soldiers of cinema and you can use our discount code cinema 20 so that's Cinema 2020, as in 20, Cinema 20. Um, you can go there and you can also uh, check out Magic Mind. You can, um, you can use that uh, Cinema 20 code to get a 20% off of one time purchase or up to a 50% off subscription mm-hmm. to Magic Mind. So you can, you can either try it at Sprouts or you can go online and try it with our code. Either way, I and think all that be info will be in the uh, in the description below as well. We'll have all that information in the description yep. below. And I just also want to add too, because look, I you know, taste is a big thing for me. I think we talked about too. It's like I, I just mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of coffee. I'm not a fan of coffee. Um, but these little guys are actually quite tasty. I it, and it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around exactly how to explain their taste, but I actually really enjoy them. Um, and I think that you might too. So go ahead and check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, on our discussion about this movie. Okay. Um, because, of course, as I said, I saw the film live with the director. Yes. Um, and so I got insights that weren't available to me when I first saw it and okay. I didn't pick up on. But I do okay. want to bring them up, not necessarily as a, a explanation of of the you know maybe some of the flaws that we've bringing up but rather yeah. sort of a point of discussion um because i think it might be interesting to talk about like does the movie do this effectively or um, well you know... and, and i, I want to say too just real quick real quick because I, mm. I you know i don't want to say i i, I want to be real clear it's not like i'm sitting here like oh this film is flawed in this way and that way and that way and and i know i get animated and i've got some magic mind in me so you know i've got a little <laughs> extra energy but i but but i i just want to be really clear um it's awesome if if you love the film, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, you know. And if I met David, I would have a million questions for him about you know what his process was like and how we got this film made. And you know, not for one second would I would I dwell on any of these things that we're talking about here in the sense that like I'm just talking about how my personal viewing experience kind of left me, but. Mm-hmm. But well, I think I, we both like to kind of interrogate things anyway. Like I think, yeah, that, and, you know, and, for, and, for 
it's some movies, of course, are classics and they're favorites. And, and but it's very personal. Flaws, but yeah. yeah, but it's but it's also very personal. It's like mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. my personal experience with the film, and um, I like a lot of stuff that other people would be like, "That's garbage. This is total mm -hmm. garbage." Like, how can you possibly like that? You know, and I don't like a lot of things that are perceived by most of the world as being amazing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, and this is what I think is the wonderful thing about cinema and art in general, is that like, th th there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of films, man. Like you can go like what you like and don't like what you don't like. And, 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 and to me, it's, 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 it's all just like a refinement of your own taste. You use other mm -hmm. films to kind of contract, you know, to better understand yourself and your own taste. And, Anyway, I, I, I don't know why I felt the need to kind of say that. I think everybody who listens to our podcast at this point probably knows that. But I just want to say, and I just want to reiterate, you know, this, it, it is never like, oh, boy, you know, I, I, let's pick apart the flaws of this film. That is just not how I'm approaching mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, okay, there's my disclaimer. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, but no, I just, I just think it might be interesting, too, like on that to, to put these ideas out um, as he stated them and, and kind of see what we think about them. Mm -hmm. um and there were a few things that he spoke about um, okay one of the things was about like again the studio interference so apparently there was actually originally um so the studio cut the movie down to like an hour and a half they cut out the opening mm. that opening uh like prologue. yeah the teaser prologue um, yeah and it which frankly i didn't feel destroyed like destroyed by by uh <laughs> test well, audiences wait. they hate let's it. pause here for a minute okay let's sure, pause yeah. here for a minute yeah. let's talk about the link Let, let's take this like bit by bit oh so, yes yeah it's quite long I, I honestly do feel like the film would have probably... I feel like the film might have been more successful had it lacked that prologue, to be frank. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay? Yeah. To be frank, I don't feel like the prologue offered me anything mm -hmm. about that film. I don't... Matter of fact, I feel like it, it took me away from the other, like, nine-tenths of the film. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to be... Now, look, it might have been kind of more interesting... So that's the. This is one of the tough things, right? It's like, ooh, we have this. Like, I mean, I don't know. They, it, it's kind of CGI e heavy too. It's like this fake snow and this stuff. So it's like, I yeah, I don't know where they shot this, but it's South clear, Africa. <laughs> it's clear, yeah. Even though they claim to be in Missouri for a lot of this too, which I'm like, I don't recognize anything. It from actually, my they hometowns. did shoot a lot of it in St. Louis. Um, mm, I didn't uh, see anything I recognized, but what do the, I know? That bridge is in St. Louis. I think that's actually why he chose to shoot it there. That like, okay. long bridge, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I'll have to go back and look to see exactly what bridge. But 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 look, get back to the point. I mean, so I can see why it would be hard to let that whole prologue go because it's fancy, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. But what in the world does it do for me for the rest of the film? And I just don't know that it does a, a lot. I will say too that like if it, let's say like um, you know I had if this were a friend of mine. And they gave me this cut that, that I saw. What the, the final cut of this film, that, that you know, the released cut, they gave it to me and they were like, hey, make some notes on this. I think the number one note I would have would be like, cut out all this air. Mm -hmm. There's like so much air in this film to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it as much, perhaps. Like I find that the opening, I think what works for the opening or about the opening for me is less so um, like it's... It, may not be necessary from an uh like a, an, a standpoint of of like narrative uh -huh. um but for me it kind of gets me into this this mood and atmosphere that i kind okay. of like 
Okay. Um, like I kind of fall into it a little bit. Um, okay. I, like if I try to imagine opening on just the what the the present day stuff with um, uh, Fair. James Badge Dale. Fair. Um, I feel like I wouldn't be as, uh, you know, sucked in in a way, almost not hypnotized. But does it... That's not quite the right word. But but perhaps you okay. know again, it it might not have that's worked fair. In that way for you at all that's uh, fair but what does that say then about the let the then what does that say about the rest of the film no exactly and, and so that's actually what i find interesting too is that like i almost i don't know it's weird because it almost also there's parts of this movie that i actually completely for, like i couldn't it's remember boring can much. i just say that it's boring <laughs> it's boring i i actually i couldn't remember anything after the the camp scene the first time i'd seen it and so I actually was, that was felt which like is I was the camp the scene. Movie. What which camp scene? So when what he goes mean? to the, the the like the big, there's like the cult running around the fire uh, at night uh, uh, and he gets uh, chased uh, away. Uh, I couldn't uh, remember anything after that. See, that's um, another one of the scenes where he does that talking under his breath thing. Like I'm not gonna get it. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. literally one of the scenes where we have the character like saying something under his breath, and it's like it's like parentheses in the script. You know, like it's so much of that. I'm mm-hmm. just and. It, it's my personal pet peeve where it's just like, I don't know if they're going to get it. I, I I mean, we've got the words and I've got these images and I've got this music, I've got the score, but I don't know if the audience is going to get it. Maybe I should just talk directly to them real quick right here. Now, I am curious. I don't, he didn't speak specifically about this, but he was a director for hire for this. Like he, okay. even though he wrote uh, the script, I don't know how much control he had in terms of like the final screenplay. Now, wait, now, wait, did, did he write the, okay, so do you know about this? Um, was he was he hired to write the script and shoot it, or did he rewrite a script? Like, what's the story um, there with the script? Well, so there's two, there's two writers uh, or I, I think he was hired to adapt the the film because he he, the, he well he was hired to adapt the graphic the, novel. The graphic novel. Okay. So what's actually interesting okay. about that too is that the graphic novel is not related narratively to this at all, other than the fact that they kind of take place in the same world. So the okay. graphic novel is set in like it's the same sort of situation where there's this like again cosmic horror cult blah blah blah, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's just sort of set in the same world. The the mm-hmm. story that this film portrays um he the way he described it he said that the, that the graphic novel is very impersonal like there's not really um like the main character that we see here doesn't exist and things like that in the and that he wanted sort of a more uh personal approach to it um hmm. now again what i find interesting too though is is like i so i don't know how much power he had over like exactly how the script went i know that he said that he wanted to change a lot from the the graphic novel with their permission the Mm -hmm. original author's permission um, Mm -hmm. just on the bad basis that you know you have to adapt things um but yeah so the the original studio cut of the film was an hour and a half um i'd be interested to see that and then um he released a longer version i mean the final cut is i think just over or just under two and a half hours um and the studio actually accused him of stacking the audience of the test screening because it did Hmm. a lot better Hmm. um which is kind of funny so then i guess that kind of won him over uh Hmm. his his kind of not i don't know if he got total final cut but he definitely got interesting um say on to how the the film would, would end up um and so i find that kind of neat um, just because it's also, I mean, one of the things that he, that I actually didn't pick up on, but that he met, he talks about is thematically um, that it is 
in a way a sort of like meta commentary on storytelling and filmmaking in that tell me more about that so so the main so a lot of horror go going back very long but especially these days deals going with, back like, to the dawn of time um, yes exactly and, and it deals with like a, it's like horror as a re- response to trauma that like the, okay that the fear that this character is having is a is like it's a it's a metaphor for the trauma that they've gone through you know we all know the, the horror movies that's like keeps cutting back to flashbacks of like a you know a family member dying or a car mm-hmm. accident or something like that and this movie does that well that even and happens think, a lot in in like dramatic films right or even yes, melodramatic yeah, yeah. films i mean this and i is think a it's a way trope. that a lot of horror yeah. movies try to kind of like elevate themselves in a way uh-huh uh, yeah for, yep, for yep, better or for yep, worse yep yeah sometimes it works sure. and so this movie does that and i remember the first time i saw it i was like oh really like we're gonna do this again yeah um but what i actually do well, wait 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 let, like, let, I, again because because you've got so many ideas i want to like slow you down i, I hate mm-hmm. to interrupt but i want to i want to uh, delve into a few things. So, so at what point did that happen? What you just said, you're watching it and you were like, Oh, are we going to go here again? Like, do you remember when, uh, what... so when it starts, I think I can't remember how early on in the movie it cuts back to, I think it's actually when we are introduced to the character that it, it has this, um, the, the character that, wife and his, it's that like the James Badgedale plays. The car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the main character, um, yeah. And it keeps cutting back to like these slow motion dreamlike shots of his wife and his son in a, in a car, yeah um and as the movie progresses you get more and more context and it turns out mm. that it was a car accident and that they almost had a deer blah 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 and they're dead um and so i remember so that bad. kind of turned me off a little bit because i was like all right you know a lot of movies do this it just kind of felt a little bit tropey and a little bit unoriginal um, uh-huh. and so again what i find interesting and i'm not saying that i that i necessarily agree with this move but i do find it interesting that what um david Pryor said in the the q a afterwards mm-hmm. um was that the goal with that was that because at the end we reveal that that never happened that his wife and child didn't exist that they were fabrications that this yep. guy is a complete fabrication he is yep. he is as they say like mind and spirit put he's made up he's made up and so he was sort of saying that it was like a a little bit of a meta commentary on tropes and on trauma as a horror kind of element yeah that, that literally this character in his own universe is like a character of a movie. So here's the thing. have written his screenplay. Yeah, so here's, and here's the out. thing. Like, when you tell me that, that it sounds great. That sounds awesome. And mm-hmm. this is, I think, is one of the general challenges with, with stuffing themes into stories. And, and look, I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of my, my personal number one challenges mm-hmm. as a writer and as a filmmaker. And I am like struggling to kind of process, like work through this myself, which is I have an orientation to story, which is that I think as an audience, like me watching a film, I feel themes like really intensely. I mean, it does, whether they were intentional by the filmmaker or or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, just like my interpretation of what's happening, that's kind of like my orientation as an audience to story is that I feel themes mm-hmm. ki- kind of almost more than anything. Right. So yeah. then when I go to create a story, I, I, I kind of have this like thought that that's the way that I should work into it. Okay. Thematically, because that's what stands out to me so much, right? That's what, that's what 
sticks with me. That's what speaks to me and sticks with me from the movies that I see and the and the scripts that I read and the novels that I read. It's the it's the themes as I kind of understand and interpret them. Again, it's the the author or the filmmaker may or may not have had, had been thinking that at all. Okay. But I think the challenge here is like, okay, you've got this like really interesting meta thematic kind of thing, right? Where, mm-hmm. but, but what does that do? Like, how do you do anything with that in a script? How do you do anything with that in a story? And I think that's where the maybe potentially not having known, you know, David Pryor or, you know, that obviously this is speculation as one of my favorite filmmakers likes to say this is cinema speculation (laughs) um (laughs) but but my my imagination tells me that maybe this is kind of where some challenges for david Pryor in the same way that it's a challenge for me which is from the shoulders up i have all these wonderful ideas about themes that i'd like to explore in a story but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of writing and executing a story uh you know theme first usually doesn't work. I agree. You know, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. It's writing a story or writing a script around a theme is, doesn't work for me. Yeah. I've done Mm -hmm. it and I've made, I've made short, like I made a short film back in 2018 called the sun's gone dim. That was the exact, that was exactly it. It was, it was, and, and I think the movie's fine, but I also, every time I watch it now, I'm like, Oh, I, I you cringe. know you I cringe. specifically yeah. wrote this because yep. the, yep. the, the yep. theme requires it. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So no, yep. I, I do agree. Um, and I think that was one of the things that I but I have sympathy. also notice I... about just sort of one of the things that I mentioned briefly earlier was that you have a lot of situations where the actions a character takes or things that the way characters speak, the information that they give is in service to the theme rather than the theme coming out of organically those actions subconsciously. And even yeah. more, and even more, you know, to kind of tie in, you know, um, cause again, like, yes, we love, we love films, but we're also filmmakers. And I'm also somebody who's like, you know, working on becoming a better writer and a better filmmaker. And so are you. And so we're going through these, you know, processes or this, growth ourselves hopefully and it's a big part of why we do this podcast and so you know for me it's like i i mean again this is speculation but it's like i have great empathy you know to filmmakers who are also challenged with kind of finding their way through this because it it is extremely difficult and it's extremely delicate and you know you've got these grand great ideas and as you were describing you know kind of this this meta thematic idea for you know this character in a horror film that's extremely interesting to me i mean there's a part of my brain that lights up and i'm like i want to see that like mm-hmm. i wish that i would have seen that in this film i and and i guess there were like little hints to that where i was kind of like okay i really see where the filmmaker is trying they're tr- like there's ideas i see lots of ideas but it's so difficult. I mean, I feel like you just have to trust as a film. I don't know another way to do it. I don't know another way to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to like all these thoughts that you have in your in your body and mind and heart, whatever you soul, whatever you call it, all these thematic ideas, you almost have to just trust that all of that is going to somehow come out mm-hmm. in and it, it's just kind of like going to bleed into the margins. It's going to bleed in between the lines. It's going to bleed in between the words and the letters that you put on a piece of paper. And then when you're off shooting it, 
it's going to mix with all the other stuff. Yeah, it's going to exactly, ooze exactly out of it. You kind of have to. It has to be. Which in, I think that I've 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 definitely gotten better at where it's like you, yeah. you have a theme in mind, but you more so let it. You have to let it go seep into. Yes. the writing naturally you, rather than trying subconscious. To write around Let it. Me, dare I say it subconsciously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, I mean, I, 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 as some of the best films, and we've 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 done uh, some of them here, and a lot of them we haven't. But some of my favorite films, it's like, and it, it's like uh, they're they're so profoundly simple. You could mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. say that the filmmaker had not a thought in their head when they were making it, mm-hmm. but somehow yet you watch it. And and you're like just filled with, with ideas and feelings and mm-hmm. you can take and, so much away from it. Yeah, I, I mean it's like R- Rumblefish. We did this one a while back. I'll pick that one because it's you know kind of one of my favorites. And a- again, it doesn't speak to everybody else. It speaks to very few people. But hell, it speaks to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's like there's almost nothing happens in this darn film. Like it's like a handful of like teens talking in in, in Oklahoma in Tulsa on like you know some. A handful of evenings and almost nothing happens in the film and i am i am so profoundly moved and every time i watch it i'm like somehow i dig up another nugget mm-hmm. of, oh, of yeah. thematic importance and we've all had films like this and i bet if i sat down with coppola in this example and i talked to him about like you know i shared with him like all these themes that i've dug out of this film I bet like ninety percent of it, he would be like, "I don't know what the heck you're talking about, man." I I wasn't taking that at all, but I yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, and, I mean, but, I think that that's one of the difficulties too, though, and, and that's and that's one of the things that uh, about the talk that David Pryor gave after the screening, yeah, um, which kind of made me go like, "Huh," like it, it kind of made me think about it. So uh, another example of this is the the. Um, he also discussed about uh, the the idea of like repetition and cycles and tropes, and that this, okay. this movie kind of being a metaphor about like so when when he gets to that uh, when James James Badgedale gets to that Scientology kind of proto Scientology building, yeah, yeah, um, and there's that guy giving the speech. Oh, can I can I speak really clear? So Stephen Root sure. is the guy that you're talking about. Yes, that's Stephen the Root. actor. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I feel like he's the standout. You know, he's in it very briefly. I love mm. Stephen Root. I think he was fan, he's fantastic yeah, in he's this. Yeah, he's great in it, yeah. It's, it's very short, but I th- he is just so Actually, wonderful. Actually, the studio <laughs> cut that scene out of their one and a half hour cut, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, he, he's, he's great. And I, I just also want to say, just super briefly, um, about performances. You know, uh, James Bedgedale, like we've mentioned, he plays the lead. Um James, I think it's less some less um, I don't know. Uh, James something, I think his last name. Maybe you you can recall it, because um, James plays James, if I'm not mistaken. His mm-hmm. character. Oh yeah, it's, it's La, yeah. La Sombra anyway. or La Sombra because it's it's Spanish for the shadow. La there Sombra. you go. Okay, I knew you would know that, but you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, James stands out to me. I don't know if any of the rest of you kind of remember, but he stands out to me in a big way. Um, from um, the Pacific, which I thought yes. he was really yes, wonderful in. Yeah. That's from 2010. That's kind of um, there was like Band of Brothers, and then yeah. and then and this was kind a of new one now. The Spielberg Tom Hanks uh, World War II they, show. They are. That's a whole. That's a whole other. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. And who knows? We might even talk about that to some extent on this mm-hmm. show. Maybe we're going to get wild and crazy and do something that's actually the not a film. <laughs> I don't. I I, I I don't want to go any further here with that. We'll have. To, that's under wraps for now. No, mm-hmm. but 
Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you yet once again, but I just did want to call out because uh, you had mentioned um, yes, that yes. scene. Stephen Root's fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, but so the the conversation that he has, though, and the kind of speech that he gives about like repetition and if you repeat something so many times, it yes. loses its meaning and stuff like that. So yes. David Pryor talked about how he kind of was, again, like talking about cinematic, like trying to kind of say that, oh, yeah, if you repeat the same tropes over and over and over again, they lose their mm-hmm. meaning. In Like, again, it was lots of this kind of meta. About and I like that. And stuff. again, it's like um, I like that. And I could see intellectually. I could see those gears turning in this film. It's not that I was ignorant or blind to that. Like, I could see what he was saying. Matter of fact, matter of fact, even in kind of like a, you know, I don't know if this is like meta, meta, or, but, but as an actor, one of the, when I was studying acting, one of the biggest kind of like aha moments, not biggest, but a aha moment I had was just in the, understanding more clearly for me kind of like just the pure logistics right so what Mm -hmm. what do you have what's the bare necessity as an actor that you have to do you have to memorize your lines right that's kind of like the bare right that's like the bare bones like Mm -hmm. remember your lines okay and it's a it's a funny thing and i think a lot of actors have what they'll do is they'll they will memorize try to memorize their lines by rote so they will they will say them over and over and over and what happens when you say your lines over and over and over they lose, like <laughs> they lose their meaning yeah, to the exactly. one person who needs to be Im- endowed with like huge meaning for these words. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, anyway, that's, this is a, an aside, but all those things were there. It's not like I didn't pick up what he was putting down analytically, but emotionally. I, it, it, well, no, and I think that that's, that's um, the exact sort of thought that I had where I think what I took away from it, and I I really appreciate the you know being able to hear him talk about it in person, yeah. um, and and like being able to you know see him at this little event thing, um, yeah. was as he said these things, I kind of went, oh, and sort of had this thought of like, you know, I could see that vaguely. I could see the movie pushing this kind of premise i didn't really understand that it was directly trying to comment on on like filmmaking and and cinema um but i could definitely see these themes because they do kind of state them pretty explicitly a few times um but i think what kind of got me was i was sort of thinking like you know i i i'm not the mastermind of like film theory i don't i don't watch a movie and immediately understand everything about it of course sure anyone does of course but um I tend to to at least be able to get things and kind of, as you said, emotionally understand things and go, okay, I, I can connect the words that this person is saying with the way that this film is made in its language and the grammar that it's using to tell this story. I can connect yeah. all those things and see a through line. Yeah, And I think that's what kind of one of the things that was missing. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I hear the director talking about it now. And so now it makes sense because I've heard him say it. Yeah, But there's a slight problem there, where which is that I had to hear the director say it mm. to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think yeah. that that was kind of what I felt at, at this um, at this little talk afterwards where I was like, oh, you know, okay, I get that now. Yeah. And maybe on, if I rewatch it again, um, it'll kind of be more effective in that way. But I also think that it's a bit of an indictment to the the way the story is told if I need that 
to be explained. And again, maybe I'm just stupid, but <laughs> but I think that I tend to understand those things at least on a reasonable level, um, and just kind of didn't. And like you said, it, it kind of there's a lot in there's a lot in the margins of this movie that I think distract from that main point because it is very like you said, sort of like filled with air. Um, there's a lot of hang time. There's a lot of effort put into being atmospheric. Um, Ponderous that, even. That feels, exactly, that that feels a bit superfluous and more like it's just trying really hard to establish trying really tone hard. Yep. versus actually using the scenes to just kind of to have the tone come out naturally in a sense that feels, again, a little bit more subconscious like we've discussed. I, I, so, I, I mean, yeah. But here's the thing. Like, would you say that Halloween, the original Carpenter Halloween, Mm-hmm. Is that without tone? No, not at all. But I Does think it, that, again, like I said, that it's it's just that that movie lives in its tone, right? Like everything works with the tone. It doesn't feel like it has to put tone around. Like yeah, it doesn't. Which is what it should be. With it, which yeah. is what it should be. Which yeah. is what it should be. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, as we as we kind of wrap up here, were there any? You know, I think we talked a little bit. You know, direction, kind of writing. We we touched on performances a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to kind of well, I, touch yeah, I on as just, we wrap up? So this was this is um, David Pryor's first feature film. Yeah, um, and he did a uh, that Guillermo del Toro movie. I think it was from it was like an anthology from 2022. I believe. Oh, the on show, Netflix, the Cabinet yeah, wh- of Curiosity. So he yeah. directed actually my favorite um, one, oh. from that, which is the Autopsy. Really? Um, with uh, what's his name from Amadeus? Um, <laughs> blank on his name. That's okay. I haven't seen it. I I would be interested, and that's streaming, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's on Netflix. That's... Yeah, yeah. So okay. He directed. That's that's his most recent directorial work. He doesn't it's the, have. It's called the autopsy, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the cabinet of curiosities. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he doesn't have anything. I've checked on IMDb Pro. I've seen to see if he has like anything in in production or like that, mm-hmm. and there is not um, anything. Uh, as of right now and so i'm i wonder if that is a result of some of the issues with the studio that he had i wonder if that's an issue or a a result of the box office performance of the film um or if he just didn't have a great experience doing it or not i i didn't get a chance to ask him why he is not planning on doing anything else as of yet yeah um but i do you know honestly reach out we should reach out that he yeah 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 um i i hope that he does something else because again i think that the like while we've been critical of the movie i think that there's we promise wouldn't be talking about this movie if we didn't appreciate aspects yeah. of it right and so um and agree I think the fact that there's there's nothing worse than something that is like so middling of the ground that you don't have anything to talk about yeah um yeah and so i think True. the fact that we have had plenty to talk about this whole time um speaks very interesting conversation speaks to the fact that there yeah. is a ton of uh, I agree with that. Be interested in with David Pryor. I agree. And so I hope that he um, gets another chance to do a, a feature. Because um, I'd be I very so curious. Too. I'd be curious to know if um, perhaps, you know, if some of the issues that I have with this movie are, um, you know, inherent to his style or if these were things that came out during production. I know he talked a little bit about it being a, a bit of a troubled production. I mean, look, I'd loved it. So. I'd love to get him on the get him on the podcast and and pick his brain on the you know on on kind of how he how he experienced the the production and post production of this film. Um, but mm-hmm. real but real quick, so it's it's F Murray Abram, 
who was yes, the actor yes, that you were talking about. And of course, yeah. of course, he's just brilliant. And he was a star in Amadeus, which we've done in a previous episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go back into our archives. Uh, it's one of my personal favorite episodes of ours. And it's also one of my personal favorite films. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's why we picked it. But, you know, I, I would agree with you. I, I would be interested, too. I mean, I think, too, sometimes it's just, look, it's, and again, uh, this goes back to the respect that I have for anyone. And I really do mean this. This is not hyperbole. I have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone who gets a freaking feature film made today. And not only did he get one made, he wrote it. He had it. It was theatrically released. I mean, it. you can go watch it now. It's streaming. Mm-hmm. And it is an extremely, um, you know, technically competently uh, well done, you know, uh, done film. And uh, I, I mean, I, I again, I don't mean this is not damning with faint praise just to accomplish like those things. I, I think for for people who haven't tried to do it themselves, it, it, it it's like darn near impossible, man. Like <laughs> it is really freaking hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so. You know, so it is, you know, uh, so I have a, such a huge amount of respect um, and, and, and sympathy and empathy and, you know, just about everything else you could think of uh, for somebody who's who's been there and done that. Uh, so anyway, I, I guess that's basically just to say that I, I agree with you and your final sentiments that I, I hope that he's out there working on another project. Um, and I hope we get another ch- a chance to see something else from him. I'm going to go check out that episode. Um, mm-hmm. And the short film, the uh, AM twelve hundred short film, which is also and I'd be online. curious to see. Yeah. yeah, and I'll be curious to see. Like, what do I think about that versus like some of my thoughts on this? So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, with that uh, having been said, everyone, we're going to wrap up. It's getting late. This is like the first time we've ever recorded so late. I mean, look, I'm an old mm-hmm. fart, so this is like I barely stay up this late. You know, thank it's one in the for... morning here. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, well, thank go- thank goodness for Magic Mind. All right, everybody. Yes. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode uh, on The Empty Man. Cullen, thank you so much for the pick. I enjoyed discussing this film, and I look forward to our next discussion. Until then, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the flip side. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.